This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is an LGBTIQ Health Australia and Joy Media podcast. LGBTIQ Health Australia acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, their diversity, histories and knowledge, and their continuing connections to land and community. We pay our respects to all First Nations people and their cultures, and to elders of past, present and future generations. This podcast discusses themes that may be distressing to some. Support is available. You can contact QLife, which provides Australia-wide anonymous support for the LGBTIQ community. QLife services are free and include both telephone and web chat support delivered by trained LGBTIQ community members across the country. Call 1-800-184-527 or visit qlife.org.au to access the web chat. Hello and welcome to the latest in LGBTIQ plus health and policy, the podcast that brings you health and well-being hot topic discussions. Each episode, we bring you an interview with a leading voice in LGBTIQ plus health and well-being and a stimulating discussion with panels made up of LGBTIQ plus leaders and influencers. I'm your host, Triana Butler. Thanks so much for joining me today. On today's show, media personality, writer, speaker, digital creator, and the first woman of colour to win Miss Universe. Australia back in 2020. Maria Fatil has had many milestones and titles in her career. In 2022, Maria was a contestant on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and out there in the jungle, well the Aussie jungle, in that season she made waves by coming out as bisexual on the reality show. Maria joins us today on the latest to talk about her recently released book Unbounded, the importance of bi plus visibility and what it means to be a queer woman of colour. This episode explores topics like mental health, and conversion practices. So if this podcast raises any issues for you, you can contact QLife on 1800 184 527 or visit qlife.org.au. With that, Maria Fatil, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for the warm welcome. I'm so excited to be joining you. Uh, I'm thrilled to chat with you. First of all, uh, congratulations. The new book is called Unbounded. Tell us a little bit about where Unbounded came from. Uh, you know, I, it's still surreal hearing people say its title. And funnily enough, Triana, the title was the last thing that we came up with. Like we actually didn't know what we were going to call it. And I like that because it means that whatever we landed on, it was truly created and pulled from, you know, what is the essence of this book? Like, what are we saying? And so I wrote the book and, you know, my publishers and I, we sat down and they came up with a couple of different titles. And when we were looking at all of them, Unbounded felt like the best fit because in essence, what the book is telling people is that they can live free of boxes, of limits, of bounds. And so it's teaching people like you don't have to subscribe to a life like that. You can live beyond it. And that's where the title came from. I love it. So good. Well, let me say it again. Unbounded. There you go. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> now, look, last year it was actually, it went to air early 2022, but I know it was recorded late yeah. 2021. You were on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And you came out as by on national TV, which must have been terrifying. <laughs> Tell me about why that was important for you to do, though. Yeah, well, I will start by saying 
I didn't know it was something I was going to do. So when I went on the show, um, you compete on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and you do it in the name of charity. So you pick a charity that you want to support, and I picked Minus 18. So my brother's gay, and I said that I wanted to use the opportunity to raise funds for this organisation because they support queer youth who don't necessarily have the support around them, or maybe they do and they just need resources. It's about creating an Australia that is safe for LGBTQIA plus youth to live and thrive. And when my brother came out, nine years ago he came out, it wasn't a safe time for him because our parents didn't necessarily understand and he had a bit of a rough go of it when he came out. And so for me I wanted to raise awareness of that, tell his story, champion him and and be an ally. But I also knew that behind the scenes I was you know, exploring my own sexuality. I was, you know, single. I'd just gotten back from Miss Universe, so sort of the weight and the pressure was off and I was quietly dating on the side and, you know, dating people of genders beyond, you know, being male. And when I went on the show, I thought, well, I'm not going to speak about this. And you can see it in all my interviews where I'm chatting about why I'm doing it. I'm saying I'm being an ally to my brother and this is the organization, this is what they do. But when you're in that environment, you genuinely are stripped very bare. So many people ask, is it real? Is it really scary? Are you really out there doing it? Yes, they don't feed you. You're sleeping with bugs and it's horrific and you're bonding with these people in fast forward. So it sort of organically came out in a conversation with one castmate in a treehouse. And after that conversation, I didn't tell anyone else in the camp. I didn't even go and talk to the producers about it. I sort of had this chat with my friend and I was like, oh, that felt good to get off my chest. And then a few days later, he came up to me and he's like, hey, like, I'm so privileged. You, you told me this. You know, I, I had to talk about it with the producers and debrief. Have you had that chat yet? And I was like, oh, snap, I probably should go and unpack that with them. <laughs> and so when I did, they asked me, they were so wonderful. They did give me the opportunity to say, hey, you know, we know that was a moment of vulnerability. Are you sure that's how you want to come out or do you want to do it yourself? And we can take that out. And I thought about it and I, I said, look, I know eventually I'm going to have to tell people this. Um, I, you don't have to tell people anything, but having a public profile, who you're dating, and eventually it would come out. And so I decided for me, I thought a really nice way to come out would just be in a conversation with my mate that was safe and natural. And it was important for me to do it that way because I wasn't going to put out a big press release and do a big dramatic, here I am, I'm here and I'm queer. It's like, it actually should just be easy for people to tell people who they are. And it shouldn't be this big hullabaloo and and people react a certain way. It's like, it should just be like, oh, good for you. Okay, cool. Like, I, that's what I want for people. You know, so I thought what a good way to role model that. And it was the right thing because I had kids message me. I remember one girl messaged me saying she's about 14 and she said, oh, I just came out to my parents on the couch watching you because I didn't have to explain myself. I just said, oh, mom, like that's me. That's that's me too. That's why you do it. That's why it was important. That's so beautiful. And like for me, you know, I've been out as as trans and as queer for, God, eight or nine years now it's been like a minute right but um i don't know like the i'm a celebrity has just become the show that we watch as a family and we just all keep up with i'm a celebrity we make sure that we're all watching every episode and so my parents got to see that episode and to see and so they got to see you know you just getting this really beautiful warm natural reaction and the whole reaction from the public was really positive and it did exactly as you said you know it modeled that really beautiful 
positive reaction to someone coming out. So, Mum and can you tell your parents I just, oh, my God, like I love that. Thank you. And I just, and, you know, for you as well, like I think it's, it, it's I don't want to make any assumptions, but, you know, you say you sit and you watch the stuff with your family and whatnot and you've been out for eight to nine years. I take it you've got a really good relationship with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. They're, they're great. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's a beautiful thing that, so many people don't have the privilege of having. And, you know, my parents are really supportive now and they've been on a journey themselves. And you're right, like I'm a Celebrity is that show that families watch because I realised after doing that show I developed a very big like fan base in kids and kids and parents. And before that I was only Miss Universe for nine months before I got that show. So I was still new. Miss Universe isn't a big deal in Australia. So like I guess a lot of Australia was like quite widely unaware of me before the show and then doing that show it, it built a very big like family audience and I loved that the public was so beautiful because I think then it shows the parents who are backing you and are in, in you know the supportive of you that okay like if I can support her, if, if your children come to you and tell you who they are, I hope you do the same for them. So, yeah, it was it was wonderful. And it also I think is really beautiful in terms of by visibility because in a lot of experiences there is a lot of bi erasure. You know, if someone is bi and they date someone of the opposite sex, oh, you're not bi anymore, you're back to being straight. Or if they date oh someone of the same sex, it's, oh, you're, you've gone full gay now, which of course is not the experience. But for you to be able to articulate it the way you did and to talk specifically about being bi like that's really valuable especially to a lot of the friends I have from the bi plus community who saw it you know yeah were you aware of the importance of that specifically at the time 100% because I knew that the whole reason I was confused about my own sexuality was I didn't even know being attracted to multiple gender identities was a thing. And now, even in hindsight, I actually think I wouldn't have used the word bi in hindsight because now I've used that and it's stuck and everyone's like, she's bisexual. But I think I also try not to get too bogged down in terms because I think sexuality is fluid and it's evolving. So I always say queer. But I think, you know, if you're getting technical, I would have said pansexual because I'm not, it's not just men and women, it's non-binary folk, it's transgender folk. I know I have the capacity to love and be attracted to and have all those sorts of interactions with people, like just people, you know, and I love that. I think it's so beautiful, but I didn't know that growing up and I knew that when I was growing up there was a lot of bi erasure and I talk about it in the book. There's an entire chapter where I sort of unpack all the, well, queer phobia, yes, but bi phobia and the cultural zeitgeist, like, I'll talk about my favourite show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> and Willow, who had amazing relationships with men. Um, she then fell in love with this beautiful woman, Tara, and they they kind of just invalidated everything that came before that, the very real, visceral, physical, emotional relationship she had. And I was like, oh, Willow's gay now. And I remember the creator of the show saying, well, the world just wasn't ready for her to be bisexual because being bisexual and we were growing up was seen as almost a hindrance to progressing lesbian and gay rights because people thought, oh, it's greedy, it's this, you're confused. Like as it is, people are trying to get their heads around being gay or, you know, and it just, that was the attitude. And even now as an openly queer woman who has expressed I date everyone, I have had, for example, men I speak to who were like, oh, okay, so you're a lesbian because I saw you're in a relationship with a woman. I'm I'm not. <laughs> oh, I've had like horrible people like who knew me back in the day and they're like, you know, I always thought you were gay. I'm like, oh, well, first of all, 
y'all knew before me. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> I think it's very funny how people think you've got to make this choice when the whole point of talking about sexuality being fluid and being this way is like, no, I, I'm not defined by any one relationship or, or any one sexual relationship. So it's it's kind of interesting to me that I still have to have that conversation, but I'm very happy to do it and I'll do it publicly. And um, I love that I have that platform in the columns and the TV segments and things because it's like people need to hear these conversations. So I'm excited about it. I also want to bring up as well, I know you touched really briefly on you would probably say pan now instead of bi. Um, there's a, a definition that was written by, I don't know if you know, the uh, there's like a, a noted bisexual activist Robin Oakes from like the early 90s and her definition of bisexuality is having the potential to be attracted romantically and or sexually to people of more than one gender not Mm. necessarily at the same time not necessarily in the same way and not necessarily Mm. to the same degree so Mm. I think you absolutely fit that and you know what I really loved about that definition because when I was trying to figure out myself and I'm talking like 2021 I've just come out of a long-term relationship heterosexual monogamous relationship that was like five years long and I started to switch the dating app preferences on like Bumble, <laughs> Hinge, whatever and I remember like I was like what am I like, and I googled that definition and it was so validating because where I had opened up about this curiosity at the time to other people they had asked oh like okay so have you dated women have you slept with women and it made me feel like I needed to have a resume and I needed to kind of put forward a oh well here's my history so this this justifies like me claiming this whereas you know you can be bisexual and maybe you only have a sexual attraction to one gender but you have the capacity to fall in love with and have the sexual relationship and like it's just telling people that whatever your sexuality is you know it's valid and you don't have to strive to fit somebody else's idea of who you are and that's probably the biggest message I want to share in the way that I live my life publicly and what I have to say I just think that people um, get very bogged down in labels and definitions and worried about what other people think. And I hate that. Well, we should talk about your book because I think that's why we're here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we are chatting with Maria Fatil, uh, who has a brand new book out called Unbounded. Now, in your book, you write about the different aspects of your identity that have shaped you. In addition to not just being bisexual, you know, there's also you're a child of immigrants. You have a Catholic upbringing which obviously complicates things a whole lot more. It's that term, that kind of buzzword at the moment of intersectionality. You know, there are quite a few intersections stacking up there. So how do you find sharing these stories about yourself contributes to the social change that you're trying to bring about? Well, you know, when we talk about intersectionality, I remember recently being on um, a talk show and I was on a panel and it was with middle-aged, you know, you know, white people, that's who I was sharing the space with. And I was talking about intersectional feminism and, and one of them did ask me, oh, what, is that e- what does that mean? And that idea of intersectionality, it's very new for a lot of people. And it is a lot of the reason that I did have a pretty confusing upbringing and my own concept of identity, who I am, do I belong? It was very confused because of this intersectionality. And there has not been a lot of books in the global literature that talks to experiences like this in a very honest, deep, detailed way. And so I wanted to fill the gap in the literature because I know what books have done for me. There have been books that have been, there's that cliche of, you know, 
um, it becomes someone's survival guide. I know that when I was 21 and I was going through a really bad bout of depression and anxiety this particular year after some life changes, there was one book that I turned to that made me feel seen, that made me feel like I could find the strength in myself to survive that year. And it got me through. So I wanted to write that book that wasn't just sharing my experiences, but it gives people tangible things that they can do. So Unbounded is organized in 10 chapters and every single chapter is a verb. And that was intentional because this is a book that tells people this is what you can do to live unbounded, to live beyond limits. And at the end of every chapter, there are journal prompts that gets people to start introspecting in the way that, you know, I think would help them break through a lot of these limiting beliefs and stories and and the conditioning they've come to subscribe to. So I knew that the book was the opportunity for me to do what I think is like the highest purpose in anybody's life. And I think that's impact. I think it's legacy and that's the lives that you touch. And so I wanted to write this book for that reason. Um, I know that there are so many people who have grown up in a religious context, who have grown up as, you know, people of colour in a largely Anglo, you know, environment. And and I guess what's been beautiful about the book is I've, I've gotten messages from people who might connect to one aspect of my identity. Um, you know, there are these, these very large media personalities at the moment. Um, they're both, I think they're Italian, and they don't connect to me on the race element, but they're one of them is queer and they connected on growing up in a religious family and they messaged saying I had no idea, but that made me feel seen. And so I guess it's also the reason I wanted to write this book is that it's showing people that yes, you should honor your differences and giving a platform to differences that haven't always been honored, but also unifying people who are different on common ground because we do have common ground. And I think that's the only way we'll move forward, especially in a time where division is rife. There's a large part of my book um, where I talk about transgender rights and I feel very, very passionately about it. And I feel disgusted and heartbroken and angry about what is happening um, around the world. And that's starting to plant poisonous seeds everywhere. And for me, it's like, when we're talking about trying to find common ground, the people who are, for example, outlawing drag, and, and putting a whole bunch of anti-LGBTQ plus legislation um, in place in other countries. It's like, imagine if that was your kid. I mean, I'm sure there are people who wouldn't even care if it was their kid, but it's like finding the common ground, like you're talking about somebody's child, that's somebody's parents, somebody's sibling, somebody's, you know, this is a person. So I think the common ground point is very important because we could all yell at each other about who's right and who's different, but I hope that the book can help people to think differently and unify, you know? differences. Absolutely. Well, that actually leads into the next question I wanted to ask, because knowing your advocacy that you do um, around not just, you know, queer rights and, and queer families and LGBTQIA plus youth and gender equality and mental health and anti-racism and all of these things, you know, by this point, you are an experienced advocate. I think that's fair to say. So do you have any advice for someone who wants to get involved with advocacy, but doesn't quite know where to start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd start by saying that my first bit of advice is knowing the power of your voice. Because if you doubt that for a minute, then all the what ifs and it's logistics and and do I have the resources and will it be too hard for me to, to make a splash? If you don't know the power of your voice, those barriers will seem insurmountable. 
But if you know the power of your voice, I think it'll help you to then start to take action. And I think the first thing I would say is, you know, when people think of advocacy or having an impact, they might think of the really big overt displays of it, you know, protesting and and being out and being visible and having a massive platform on social media, petitions that are really successful and things like that. And they are amazing. But to be an advocate, all you have to do is use your voice to advocate in your circles of influence. And you are no less valuable or impactful or necessary if you are advocating in a family circle full of people with racist or homophobic ideas than you are if you are campaigning and platforming in a massive protest on the steps of parliament in your city. Because being an advocate like Dominic and I, for example, um, we have family members who do have more conservative beliefs to this day. I don't know we put out what it's like for our family and how amazing things are with our parents, but we quite literally still face this stuff in our own family. And it was really hard around the time that the Christian Lives Matter movement was gaining momentum. Some people were using it to just spew anti-LGBTQ plus rhetoric and sentiment. We had people close to us doing that. And we had to speak up in our own family. And that was hard. And yes, it was only to a handful of people, but I would argue that that felt so powerful to us because it wasn't just like, yes, we we talk on TV and columns and do all that stuff on socials and it's big, but when you're doing that in your own family even, you're breaking generational cycles and you are saying it stops with me. That is still advocacy. So for anyone who doesn't know where to begin, just start in your circles, whether that is a uni group, whether that is your workplace and you join a committee, whether that is you speaking up in a circle where someone said something and you actually know that, hey, that's not right, but I'm going to say something. That's that's being an advocate. I, I would just say don't undermine your values. Um, don't undermine your actions and remember the power of your voice. Start I'm not even going to call it small. Start where you can and build and just always do things with that, yeah, purpose. It's that age-old saying of, of think global, act local. It's it's those yeah. small little things that if everybody else is doing it. I mean, I saw a – Yes. God, I don't even know if it was a tweet or a Tumblr post that got copied across to Twitter or wherever it was, but it was somewhere. And it was like everyone is terrified of getting in the time machine and accidentally, I don't know, stepping on a bug and it changes the future of the world, right? Yeah. But, like, you can make a tiny change – today and that has huge effects into the future yes can i just say like my brother for example like let me tell you like people might look at all the work that dom and i are doing now do you know where it begun and what the ripple effect is it's like and i say this in the book because i think it's i really want people to read this particular chapter in the book but it's about uh, i use this analogy of just put one foot in front of the other and before you know it one day you'll look back and see that those little footsteps marked your trajectory but you won't see it in the moment in the moment it's just one footstep okay this next footstep okay this next footstep when you look back you're like oh that's how I did it but you have to have faith in the moment and so when Dominic came out in 2014 his one decision to say you know what I'm going to tell my parents and my sister who I am that one decision marked the journey for my parents to start unlearning and it started to show me hang on okay Dominic's embracing his sexuality maybe I should be open to mine which then led me to you know, coming out on national television. And who was I on the phone to at 2 a.m. before the episode aired? My brother. And then 
we're out here together. Just every decision to speak up adds a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And now you look back and it's this whole body of work, but it started with that one decision to speak up. Hey, mom and dad, this is who I am. I always say he paved the way for me. And it's exactly that. Like you don't know what the ripple effect of the decision you're going to make is. Just start. Start one foot in front of the other and just follow your gut and it'll never lead you astray. We're chatting with Maria Fatil, Miss Universe Australia 2020, contestant from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, digital creator, Instagram superstar, media personality, and now author of this book, Unbounded. What is one lesson that you really hope people take away from this book? I hope the lesson that people take away from the book is that they have agency over their life and they just have to choose themselves. And if there's one person they're ever going to disappoint when it comes to who they are, how they show up in the world and how they live their life, I hope that the book inspires them to not allow that person to be themselves. If you're going to disappoint anyone about your life, don't let it be you. And that's what I hope the book teaches them. Ooh, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there we go. It's, but isn't that when you think about it? Like it, That's exactly it. Because when I talk to people and I talk to a lot of people in my work and they tell me what their hesitations are, whether it's to come out or it's to leave the unhappy relationship or to go after the dream job, it's always like, oh, like, what will this person think? Or I'm worried about disappointing my parents or like, but my workplace just did this. And it's always external to them. And it's like, what do you want? Like who, who, what is your gut and your heart telling you about you and how you want to show up? It's like, don't let the rest is noise. You know, people who really love you and are for you, they will, they will never, you know, not everyone will understand, but the people who are for you will never hold it against you that you had to do what was right for you, you know? It's the wham moment right there. My goodness. Now, <laughs> Maria, I know it's um, it's important for you to align with causes that you're passionate about. We've been talking about that all episode. What are you doing at the moment? Because there is a lot going on in your world right now. Yeah. Well, I, well I, the entire reason that I am in this career, that I chose media, chose to walk away from corporate, is because I've always been passionate about, and you can say equality broadly, but I think it's about very, very um, strongly diversity. It's about representation. It's about inclusivity. It's about changing the way that people think. Um, feminist through and through. It is about sex positivity, LGBTQIA plus rights. And honestly, like when you look at all these different things and even, okay, mental health, look at all these different areas that I'm playing and you can say, wow, she's doing a lot. Do you know what it is fundamentally? It's just about fighting for a world where people feel free to live and let live. That is all it is at the end of it, safely, truly, and happily, because we all deserve that. And when you look at, for example, disparities in mental health rates between certain communities or a lack of access to mental health care, things that I speak up about, well, that just comes down to that inability for people to have the resources and the access to the resources that they need to do exactly that, showing up truly, happily, freely, safely. When you look at um, why I'm speaking up for representation is because a lack of representation in politics and business, in mainstream media, all those things, a lack of representation means that people can't show up in life truly, happily, freely, safely. You know, so all these different things, it's just about honoring that because I am someone with that lived experience where, you know, those inequities did, I guess, impact the way that I saw myself and how I showed up in the world. And I found myself walking a path and living a life that wasn't that. So in my work now, um, as an author with my TV segments, 
I have a new show coming out um, that will be audio shows. So that will be coming out and, and also moving into more, you know, acting and things like that as well. Like there's a lot of different mediums that I play in. And I said to myself, I'm going to do it all. And it's because why not? You know, we tell women, we tell people of color, we tell so many people like pick something or you've got to be this or you can't be that. So I've said, no, I'm going to show up in media and I'm going to do it all. And the reason for that is I know that that will be the model for someone else to look and say, if she can do it, so can I. And in my work, that gives me the opportunity to spread these messages that I was spreading back when I worked in an office for the government. And I was like, let me put on an event that champions women in transport. Like I was doing the same thing then that I'm doing now. It's just that doing all of these things has given me a bigger reach and I can reach more people with this message. I'm reaching more people with influence and it enables me to be more effective. So that's what you can expect from me. The thing is, you're not niching down. You are your own niche. That's what's powerful about it. Well, I don't want to, and, and I never wanted to pick, you know, I used to hate that. I hated it when I worked in HR. And I remember people would say to me, well, you've got to pick, you've got to specialize. And I'm like, but I, there are so many different things that I have interest in. Why do I have to pick? And then when I started my career as Miss Universe, um, I said, I remember saying to all my teams, I'm going to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. And it's like, oh, okay, like slow down. Like we've got to pick something. And it's like, I don't want to pick something. I want to do everything. And I'm so lucky to have a team that are like, cool, this year we're going to tackle this. Next year you're going to do this. Next year you're going to do this. And you end up with this career where it's like, I shouldn't have to choose And true to the message of my book, it's about agency and it's about designing a life that you want. And mine is, yeah, I am my own niche. I just do what I want and I do it proudly. And I think people should be able to do that, you know, live a fulfilled life. Why is that so hard, you know? It shouldn't be that way. It's powerful. Well, look, as we wrap up, Maria Thetil, what's one thing that you hope for LGBTIQ plus communities in the future? And what a timely moment to be asking that question, hey? I'm going to say it's sort of two things, but I'll wrap it up into one thing. I really hope we get to a point where the rights and the freedoms and the dignities of the LGBTQIA plus community is never something that is dispensable, malleable, something that can be lost as quickly as it's won. And I really hope that because we know the work is coming from the community, like we're all fighting for what, you know, we're all fighting for it. But what I really hope is that people beyond the community, they see LGBTQIA plus rights as human rights. So when you have travesties like governments trying to take those rights and deny people gender affirming care and deny people the ability to show up and work in public spaces and you know, when, when we see things like this, it is the allies that actually speak up and say, hang on, no, like we can't allow this to happen because this is not a them issue, this is a human rights issue. And I think what we're not seeing right now is really like masses who do not recognize that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights. And my hope is that that changes and yeah, the world becomes a safer place where people can just live truly, freely, happily and safely. Beautiful way to end it. Maria Fitzil, the book is called Unbounded. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Latest. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. 
big thank you to Maria Thetil for her time today. I would also like to thank Amber Loomis, a BiPlus community advocate, for their help in producing this episode. If this podcast has raised any issues for you, you can contact QLife, which provides Australia-wide, anonymous, LGBTI peer support and referral for people wanting to talk about a range of issues, including sexuality, identity, gender, bodies, feelings, or relationships. QLife services are free and include both telephone and web chat support delivered by trained LGBTIQ plus community members across the country. Call 1-800-184-527 or visit qlife.org.au to access the web chat. If you would like to suggest a person that you'd like to hear being interviewed for this podcast, you can let us know. Shoot us an email, info at lgbtiqhealth.org.au and include the word podcast in the subject line so we know what we're looking for. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.